0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now.
1: Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Yes, yes. Welcome into Balloon Party. Tim McKernan in action. Jackson Burkett with you here on the presentation 101 ESPN. Gabe DiArmond, my cohort from the University of Missouri Journalism School. He graduated. I didn't. Probably doesn't alarm those of you texting in. 65780 uh, Air Comfort Service Text Line uh, is going to be joining us at 1015. Talking college football playoff talking NIL, talking college football playoff format, talking Conzo Martin and Missouri basketball, and then talking about Gary Pinkle going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, So the colonel is going to be with us. Have you texted him, uh, Action Jackson? Yep, he'll be on with us at 1020. I was texting with Gabe last night. We've known each other for about 25 years. And I said, hey, you want to come on the show tomorrow? Got this new presentation on 101 ESPN. And he goes, yeah, uh, could you have somebody text me around 10 to remind me because I don't care.
2: (laughs) Gabe's my spirit animal.
0: (laughs) I'm a big colonel guy. I'm a big colonel guy. Uh, So Gabe is going to be with us at 10.15, and we'll talk about the game. And we welcome you to uh, interact with us on the presentation uh, by texting in 65780. And then mic drop. So the mic drop thing, I'm going to be transparent with the audience, is a new concept for me. It's presented by Rhino Shield. Um, because with TMA, which has been on the air since 2004, if somebody calls in, we'll let them go for about three hours if they'd like.
2: <laughs>
0: so I love the idea of basically filtering calls, but then still allowing voices to be heard, which is what the whole point of the mic drop is. So, uh, what you go to the 101 ESPN app and you yeah. can leave your mic drop there. Yep. So, uh, there is the, the play if you'd like to do that, but I'm looking forward to talking it over with the Colonel. Jackson, you were uh all over the under in the first quarter yesterday right that was your big play for georgia and alabama and you got a sweat free victory
2: yeah the whole first half was so i mean the only field goals uh a little sweat when they uh georgia scooped and scored and they called it back pretty clear to me that it was clear that that wasn't gonna be 100 percent. but then yeah about four minutes in Georgia's driving it's 3 nothing, and you're just like yeah this is pretty I'm pretty sick because even if they score it's not like it's gonna you know break the number ten to half that half point saves you
0: so I was I was looking at it early on and when Georgia was able to keep them out of the end zone on that first drive I was looking to see if we could get some kind of predictive measure of a game script that's what I look for from a live betting standpoint but then also from how the game will play out from a coaching standpoint and once Georgia's defense was able to really tighten up in the red zone, it set the tone for the remainder of the game. Alabama was just kicking field goals left right. and right until that touchdown with 10-14 remaining uh, when Bryce Young rolled out and uh, hit the kneeling tight end in the end zone. But otherwise, it was it was field goal, field goal, field goal, field goal. The thing, though, that I can't help but... But talk about, even though Georgia has won its first national championship since 1980, and I love college football, I love really getting into it, both from a a, a wagering standpoint, but from, I just love the pageantry in every game, feeling like every game matters anyway, is Jamison Williams, Cardinal Ritter, getting hurt. And how much that wound up impacting the game, but just how unfortunate it is, for him as an individual and because he's from st louis from my standpoint i would imagine for many of you listening um it it hits a little closer to home now if you had money on georgia if you're a georgia fan you know that's those are kind of casualties of war it can certainly happen to georgia we've seen that happen but in this case seeing that happen for the guy who, from my standpoint, anyway, Jackson, best receiver in college football, and if he's not the best, he's in the top three, yeah. and I think everybody would agree with that. Getting hurt like that in the biggest game of his career, as he streaks down the middle somehow uncovered, uh, just absolutely sucked. Yeah, I don't think the focal point of the discussions this morning, the columns I've read, watching the discussion regarding the game, is on um, the fact that Georgia beat a beat-up Alabama team. But the reality is they didn't have Jamison Williams for the vast majority of the game, and they didn't have uh, Mechie from his injury, torn ACL in the SEC championship game. With that all established, the reason why Georgia was able to pull ahead and pull away in the fourth quarter was dominance in the trenches. And their defense was able to get pressure on Bryce Young that they were not able to get in atlanta a month ago Mm -hmm. and that was the difference in the game and that is why i liked georgia so i i on this presentation now if i'm not mistaken we have made four plays and i want to track this stuff yeah what have the four plays been see if you're paying attention Uh because otherwise i'm gonna act like i'm gonna do something about it
2: (laughs) spring training not starting on time
0: that is correct I've got the over on that. It's a bet I want to be wrong on, though, because it's not like I'm putting any money on it.
2: Georgia minus three was one of them. Uh, uh, was it the game under?
0: I was on the under. Yeah. And then your play, oh, which you hit
2: sweat-free. First quarter, so we're three for three.
0: We're three and oh. Yeah. We're three and oh. and I think the spring training things is close. To, I, think, I, I like the spring training play better than any other plays.
2: Oh, yeah, 100%.
0: Which I don't like but I like from a bet standpoint. Yeah. But the reason I liked Georgia, I don't know. I I, I don't. I got some pushback on, on liking Georgia, um, and I don't know if the reason for that was people really buying into Alabama or because Alabama is Alabama and they are viewed as invincible. That's what I'm trying to understand on it. And maybe the biggest reason was, more than anything, is that they had played – and Alabama had won, and won in pretty convincing fashion. But to me, that actually worked to Georgia's advantage. It wasn't a case where Georgia was an overrated team and didn't have what it took to compete with Alabama. That's not the case at all. The case is Alabama had to win, and Georgia didn't have to win, and you just can't quantify the psychological impact of that. Had the shoe been on the other foot, I bet the result would have been different. Also, anytime we talk about this game, it's so important to mention that two of the wide receivers for Alabama who are stars were not a part of the game. Again, Williams, for the majority of the game, matchy at all. And that's just reality. And I think that's important. I know if, let's say, it were a team that I were emotionally attached to, I use Missouri as an example, and then immediately people start laughing as if Missouri could ever be in that position. But they were nearly there in 2007 and 2013. And I and I think about, like, if in 2007, Jeremy Macklin would have gotten hurt in midway through the first quarter. Oh, yeah. Or if 2013, Doriel Green-Beckham would have gotten hurt in the first quarter well that materially impacts things at the same time just out of curiosity last night i was listening to them talk about uh brian robinson jr and how he had waited his turn at alabama to get the opportunity he got in 2021 and in carrying over into this 2022 college football playoff championship game which meant that he was on the field theoretically when Missouri visited Tuscaloosa in 2018 and so then I looked up the box score of that loss 39 to 10 to Alabama and here are the gentlemen who carried the football for Alabama in that game Damian Harris you may recognize his name from the New England Patriots he had 14 carries 62 yards and a touchdown Najee Harris you may know him from the Pittsburgh Steelers he had 57 yards Josh Jacobs he had 52 yards from the Raiders. Jalen Hurts, he'll be quarterbacking the Eagles against Tom Brady this weekend. Tua, he was in the game. couple carries. And then Brian Robinson Jr. Those were the people carrying the football for 184 yards against the Missouri defense on a Saturday night in October in Tuscaloosa. Sweet mother of mercy. What in the world? Like, you know it when you're playing them, but then just three, four years later, you look at it and you go, oh, my goodness. And then I thought, well, I wonder who is catching the ball for them. And then I scroll down in the box score. I tweeted this out, at T. McKernan. Jerry Judy had three catches for 147 yards and a touchdown. Heisman Trophy winner Devontae Smith, four catches, 100 yards and a touchdown. Henry Ruggs. Four catches, 50 yards. Damian Harris, three catches, or two catches, 31 yards. Jalen Waddell, two catches, 27 yards. Just broke the record for rookies and receptions. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a catch. Irv Smith Jr. had a catch. The only person who who caught the ball who isn't in the league is a gentleman named Derek Keefe, who had two catches, and he's now an assistant at Maryland. When you look at that, you go, my goodness. Like, you know it, but then you see it in a box score just three years later. And it's 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 Pro Bowler after Pro Bowler after Pro Bowler after Pro Bowler.
2: Yeah, they're I, playing with different ammo.
0: Yeah, so I bring that up because yeah, there's no Mechie, and now there's no James Williams, and so it's okay. Well, here come a couple five star guys. <laughs> exactly, it's waiting we their turn. It's like the game in which uh, Alabama beat Georgia four years ago. Well, Tua comes in as a freshman. They pull Jalen Hurts, and he comes in as a freshman and and uh, and wins it for them. So they have the talent. But they had some receivers make plays that I don't think Williams or Mechie would have missed, and they missed them.
2: Right. There was a big one right there on the goal. line.
0: Yes, a critical one. So when I look at that, I can't dismiss it. And this, again, is coming from somebody who was all over Georgia. And and honestly, as I watched the game play out, I'm like, what did I miss about this? And then in the fourth quarter, uh, Georgia dominated Alabama to the point that Nick Saban was incredibly complimentary. Uh, to Kirby Smart when they shook hands at midfield, that was uh, that was very kind. And I saw Kirby Smart ask about the health of uh, Jameson Williams. Right. And um, and I'm I'm happy for Georgia. I think a lot of people are tired of Alabama. At the same time, I respect a dynasty, but I just felt like Georgia was the best team in the country this year. Definitely. And I got to tell you something though. Now that they've won, and yeah, the score is indicative of a game that wasn't as close as anybody who watched it knows it was. Now I'm like, maybe they weren't, because if Jameson Williams is healthy and if Mechie's healthy, I'm not sure that they win the game. It doesn't taint it, but I have to be honest in my analysis, yes, the wager was correct, the Georgia minus three play and the under was correct, but I don't know if either one of those things hit If those guys are healthy, even if Jamison Williams doesn't get hurt, just one. Yeah, just having one. Because it's such an impact. He's just a a difference maker,
2: man. Yeah, 100%. Alabama in the first half did an excellent job of keying in on Brock Bowers, who can gut a team. So they were clearly firing their game plan. And, you know, that's a big curveball to throw when you have to put... Not only a receiver who's young and hasn't got that much playing time, but new for a quarterback. You know, Bryce Young is used to throwing to Mechie and Williams. Not necessarily Hall, who came in and did drop a pass that was been. It was a crucial moment. He dropped the pass.
0: So I I I loved the game. The plan for me was to go to bed at halftime to get up to do TMA, mm-hmm. and then wake up 4:30 or 5, and then watch the second half. Right. But the game was so good. Even at 9-6, I enjoyed it. I know some people don't like that kind of stuff. But it, it wrote me in. And so then I wind up watching it. And then it doesn't end until like eleven o five. God bless America.
2: Yeah, I that, don't know how that happens. I went to bed in the fourth quarter.
0: Did you? See, I wasn't able to do it. I was like, I okay, how could it have been the, the fourth quarter? And then I'm just, I have to watch this. Yeah, I have I watched to watch
2: in, it. I watched it in the morning.
0: That's the move. That's the smart move. You're a well-rested gentleman. <laughs> yeah. I'm a mess. I'm an right absolute mess. Me. Uh, all right. We will uh, talk it over with the colonel, get his uh, opinions on what took place last night, tie it back into the SEC, the college football playoff championship format. They met yesterday. We'll give you the latest on that. Makai Wingo uh, entering the transfer portal, the double-edged sword Missouri fans have experienced with NIL talking about. I know Gabe is, I mean, this isn't is the hottest of takes, but uh, Gabe's like, I've, I've seen a lot of people get excited about recruits over the years, but Luther Burden is at a different level. Get his opinion on him, uh, as well as uh, Gary Pinkle going into the College Football Hall of Fame. Gabe wrote something pretty poignant about that and uh, what his opinion of is Pinkle's place in Missouri and college football history. And then also... Conzo uh, Martin and the state of the basketball program and Martin's future in Columbia. We will take a break and talk it over with Gabe. Gabe DeArmond of powermazoo.com On the other side of the break, this is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: we are right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Sick. Thanks for this remix, Jackson. It's Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, in Action, Jackson, with you on the presentation. Hey, look, everybody. On the celebrity line, he's a celebrity. His name is Gabe Diarman, and he's a celebrity. Brown and Crouppen, celebrity line. Morning, Colonel. What's up? How you doing, Tim? <laughs> you know, I thought maybe, maybe you'd have some enthusiasm with the new station, the fact that it's on FM, the fact that... That that you are one of my first guests, and and you sound as disinterested as ever. That that was
1: enthusiastic me, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Colonel. You, I know, I know. You, I was reading your stuff. I love the ten things um, from the weekend posts that you make every uh, every Monday on Power Mizzou. I look forward to reading that. I really do. I'm sure you're a little creeped out that I that I do look forward to it, but I do. And I know you were kind of on Alabama, not jumping up and down about it. But you were right. you were thinking that that you would go with Alabama. So now that it has played out, um what stands out to you as to the reason why Georgia is the 2021 National Championship team? Um
1: uh, because the guy that that nobody thought could get the job done actually did in Stetson Bennett. I mean, I I thought it was funny. You know, Bryce Young has spent a couple of weeks telling everybody, you know, nobody believed in me. He was five-star number one quarterback in the country. (laughs) Um, Everybody believed in him. Um, But legitimately, like even Georgia fans all year, my friends that cover Georgia are like, all anybody asks is why Kirby's playing Stenson Bennett at quarterback. Why won't they make the change? We'll never win a national title this way. And not only did they win the national title, I mean, he was the reason why, or at least a big reason why, you know, I mean I thought Georgia had the most talented roster, but I just thought they were that Alabama was better at head coaching quarterback and that would make the difference and it didn't. And uh I thought it was turned into a good game. It was cool. It's a much better story to see Georgia win for the first time in forty one years than it is to see Alabama win again. So uh, you know, that's uh that's college football parody, right? The preseason number one wins and it's like a, a big upset.
0: I felt like going into the game that perhaps What took place in Atlanta was getting a little too much value in some people's minds. And if anything, that may work to Georgia's advantage that they had lost and they felt like they had uh, the motivation to show that they truly were one of the best defenses we've seen in college football in recent years, similar to what we saw along the lines with offense with the LSU 2019 team. Having covered the Big 12 and then also covered the SEC now for a full 10 years, um, in addition to all of those years with covering the Big 12, what team of the teams that you have covered, Missouri playing or in the same conference as Missouri, stands out to you as being the team that is the standard for you?
1: Oh shoot! I mean that the the 2014 Alabama team that Missouri played in the uh, in the SEC title game that you know had Amari Cooper and and was just ridiculous is. that's up there. Um, Yeah, Amari
0: Cooper and Derrick Henry were uh, were part of the offense. That's nice.
1: Yeah, they were okay. I think that was A.J. McCarron at quarterback, but I honestly don't even remember because that was before Saban started really recruiting quarterbacks. He just kind of tossed guys back there and was like, I don't know, don't screw it up for us. They usually didn't. Um, You know, I think this is a good Georgia team. One of the best defenses we've seen. I, I don't think anybody's confusing this with, you know, the best team in college football history. I heard a good point on a a podcast I was listening to this morning, uh, a a team that many are talking about being Nick Saban's probably least talented Alabama team in quite some time, down its top two receivers, came within about seven minutes of winning the national title. Uh, That's fairly ridiculous.
0: Yeah, young corners and down their top two receivers and still were in position, and that tells you uh, quite a bit about the depth that they have. Um, a lot of people were were focused on, of course, the game. But this weekend, you had a few different conversations going on beyond the game. Um, one of which uh, was the college football playoff format. They all got together, they met, they left yet again without any new plan. Number one, what do you think will happen with the college football playoff format, and what would you, as somebody who's covered the game for so many years, think should happen?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, people have to remember this thing is locked in through like 2025.
2: That's correct. It it
1: doesn't just because it didn't happen yesterday doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I I think expansion is coming for the simple reason that there's too much money there for it not to. Um, I I think the, the thing that most people probably don't understand is a big part of this is TV networks working out. Okay. Like this has to work like the NFL where, Three different networks are getting playoff games. ESPN's not going to get this whole thing, um, and, and that is an important factor in it. Um, you know, the SEC I, I think would be perfectly happy with expansion, but they should also be about the only ones that are that sit there and say, "I don't know if you idiots want to keep it at four, we will." Cause we always <laughs> We're going
0: to have half each year. <laughs>
1: Right. I don't know why the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 wouldn't be just sprinting to sign up for however many teams they want to expand it to. And, you know, the argument against it, people keep saying, well, Alabama's still going to win and Georgia's still going to win. Well, they might. And they probably will most years. But would you rather have a shot or have no shot? Because right now, I'm going to say 90 to 95 percent of college football has no shot. I mean, Missouri is almost certainly not playing in a four-team playoff, right? There would have been a year or two where they might have had a chance. But for the most part, they're almost certainly not. But a 12-team playoff, Missouri would have been in that four times. yeah. And are you winning three straight games or four straight games to win the whole thing? Probably not. But, I mean, let's say in 2007, Missouri goes in as, I don't know, the number four seed, I guess. and So their first playoff game is hosting the number five team in the country at Thoreau Field in a national quarterfinal.
2: Oh, glorious.
1: going on the biggest sporting event in the history of Columbia, Missouri. Yeah. I mean, right? It's, I, I mean, it's so United good. Close. So who wouldn't want that? I, I don't understand anybody unless you're an Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, maybe three or four other teams fan where you go, oh, now we got to win two more games to win it. If you're a fan of anybody else at all, There's no reason you should be against it.
0: I I could not agree more. I'd like to think it's going to happen. I was disappointed to see they left without an agreement, but at the same time, considering how far apart they were last time they got together, I guess, agreeing yesterday, doesn't mean it's the... End. Uh, they can still get this thing together, and uh, and they just have to vote unanimously in order to overturn it before the expiration of this thing in three years. Another thing that is getting a lot of attention, and, and Missouri fans have been on the receiving end of it from the good and on the receiving end of it potentially from the bad, uh, how the transfer portal has changed things, and then also... NIL. I think a lot of people were observing the Luther Burden situation and maybe observing it from the perspective of, wow, I can't believe Eli Drinkwitz was able to get him, but the NIL maybe not uh, necessarily as well known as a factor in that at the time. Huge get there. But then a surprise last week with uh, Makai Wingo announcing that he had entered the transfer portal. Let's start with the good in Luther Burden. I read what you wrote, I think it was two weeks ago, Gabe, and that you've covered a lot of recruits. You've seen a lot of people get excited about of recruits over the years, but you see Burden competing against the best of the best in these all-star games. And even then he flashes. What is it about Luther Burden that stands out to you when you see him play?
1: I mean, it's everything. It's when he gets the ball, Nobody usually tackles him, which seems to be a good thing, right? The first play I ever saw of him, the first play this season, was a punt return against CBC, which went on to win a state title. You know, they're they're a good team. Um, he, He goes 85 yards, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but in that game, Burton touched the ball something like eight times And on five of them, he ended up in the end zone. (laughs) You know, he had a a touchdown call back. He scored three. He scored a two-point conversion. So that means five of the eight times he touched the ball, nobody tackled him. And and really, nobody even touched him on most of them. You know, he's just – I've always said I'm not a scout. When I go to a high school football game, if you are an SEC-level football player, if you're a five-star kid, I have to be able to watch that game. And if I didn't know who you were, I know the, the the college football player. And and you can do that with Luther. Um Sheldon Richardson was the other guy that, that I went and watched him play and it's like, oh yeah, that two hundred and ninety pound guy returning punts, I, I bet he's gonna be pretty good. <laughs> you know. Um and, and I didn't see Jeremy Macklin play in person in high school. But that's the comp to me for for Burden. Similar size, I think Luther might be I don't know, either an inch taller or an inch shorter, but, you know, 200, 205, and just speed and shiftiness. And what people always told me about Macklin, what made him so good was, I mean, he ran a four or five at the Combine. And don't get me wrong, Jeremy's fast. You know, obviously Jeremy had speed. But it wasn't just that he was four 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 five. It was that it took him about two steps to get there. Mm. I mean, he was zero to 60 as fast as anybody that's ever played here. And, uh, you know, you'd watch Denario, Brad Smith, those guys, they they were fast as hell. They were, they were kind of, they were gliding. They took such big strides. They didn't look fast. Macklin looked fast. And uh, I I think like, I hate to say that, Hey, I think this guy can be like Jeremy Macklin, right? There's only been one in 130 years. So I'm not saying that, that Luther will be, but it's not out of the realm of possibility.
0: On the other side of things, Mikai Wingo announcing that he had entered the transfer portal—that was—that uh, was a surprise to a number of people. Um, anything that you've heard since that announcement that gives you a better indication as to the reason?
1: Well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I knew the reason the second it happened. Um, his high school coach Robert Steeples got hi- Steeples got hired at LSU about six days before. that. Yeah,
0: and that was uh-huh. that was that's that's open and shut in your opinion.
1: Yeah, look, we can wait and see where Mackay ends up, uh, but I'm going to be very surprised if it's not in Baton Rouge.
0: Right. And I think for Missouri fans who, when they saw that, were initially going, what in the world, and then we start piecing together the the algebra, then that helps explain it away a little bit better, does it not?
1: Yeah, and and the thing is about the transfer portal, look, you can't look at Jaden Jernigan leaving a – Top ten Oklahoma State team that's going to be a top ten team to start next season. Where he was getting snaps, he, he might not start, but he was heavily in the rotation. You can't look at that at him leaving that for Missouri and say, "Oh, way to go, Eli! Good job! What a what a great recruiter! Excellent!" And then look at Makai Wingo and scream that college football is broken. Right? I, I mean, cuts both ways. You, you have to either accept both or hate both. Um, and. I understand being a fan is not logical, right? You you hate the ones that hurt your team and you like the ones that help them. But if you just take half a step back, I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, you, you, every team's going to benefit from it and every team's going to pay for it.
0: Do you think that this is something that we will see a change to in the short term? In other words, there's been an overcorrection and now you have free agency in college football. And if so, what change can realistically be made?
1: Yeah, I don't know if it, it, I, I don't know if you can change the transfer system because the only real change that's been made is these kids don't have to sit out a year if they transfer right. the first time, right? And, and I, that's perfectly fair. I, I mean, it, how do you let Lincoln Riley leave Oklahoma, but but players are penalized for it? And, and you know, everybody says, well, they should commit to the school, not the coach. Come on, these kids are here to play football, and. That's not to insult their academic prowess or say the degrees don't matter. To some of them, certainly they do. But the reason they go to these places are for the football teams. They spend more time with their head coach and their position coach than they do with their biology professor. So, you know, that as long as they do that, they should be able to leave and not be penalized for a year. Now, I do think we're going to see it settle down a little bit. I I think there's a little bit of like – fear of missing out going on with these kids right now they're looking around and seeing some of the attention these transfers are getting and oh hey i get to go to another place and i get to be recruited again because the thing about college football that a lot of people don't understand is you are treated like a king throughout the recruiting process right and then the very first day you show up on campus Nobody cares how many stars you had. Nobody cares how many offers you had. You're a four-string kid trying to fight your way back up to the top. And some of those guys are going to do that day one, and, and some of them are, are never going to do it. But, And so I think they miss that feeling a little bit. And some kids are looking at it and going, hey, I can transfer? Cool. I, I, I'm going to do that. Um, it, and I think that will change a little bit. I think the numbers will go down. I think where there has to be legislation is the, the NIL stuff. I mean – it has. I, I will admit to being a little naive. Um, I didn't think it was going to be this crazy and and just this outright. Okay, here we're just paying guys and 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 you know it was supposed to be. Charlie Batch is making
2: offers for
0: Eastern Michigan,
1: right? It, it can't be dependent on where you go to school. Well, of course it is. I mean, I was I I laughed when I asked Eli on signing day. Now I know that technically, you know, NIL can't be used in recruiting, and he said it can't. I mean, coaches aren't even trying to hide it, right? Um, like Jimbo Fisher said, hey, this has been going, along, going on forever. It's just legal now. Um, but I think there has to be some correction. I don't know what that correction is. I don't know if, I don't know if you can set a salary cap on it because, like, you know, it's a fair market value thing. If somebody decides that, hey, it's worth $100,000 to me for this kid to go to my school, well, if it's worth it to him, then I guess it's worth it, right? I mean, are, are football coaches worth $7 million a year? I don't think so, but the market says they are because someone will pay it. So I don't know how you fix it because the problem is you can't legislate where kids go to school. You know, you can't say I, – I mean, in pro sports, there is a corrective system. You get rewarded for being bad, and you get penalized for being good. And it's why generally nobody stays on top for a long time. Well, in college football, you can't tell kids – well, Alabama was too good last year, so you can't play there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 it just doesn't work that way, so I don't know what the fix is.
0: You uh, wrote something pretty poignant regarding Gary Pinkle and him going into the College Football Hall of Fame. I want to take a break and go through that and your recollection and his importance to Missouri football history, and then also your perspective on Conzo Martin, his team beats Alabama on Saturday, and where things stand with Missouri basketball. We will take a commercial break, come back with more with Gabe Diarman of powermazoo.com, You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Welcome back to the presentation. Gabe Yarman, with us here Power Mizzou. Uh, Colonel writing something on uh, Gary Pinkle going to the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll finish there. But I want to start here, Gabe, on Konzo Martin, which I know is essentially the question when you talk Missouri basketball. But they beat Alabama on Saturday. They'll be healthier when they take on Arkansas. Um, Does what took place Saturday materially change the arithmetic for Konzo Martin and Missouri?
1: well i mean it's one in the in the stay column right uh i don't know what the number is where they look at it and say hey this is good enough that we're going to continue this for another year um whether that's you know i I don't think it's regardless of what happens but if they have a number hey we get to 12 we get to 14 whatever it is that's one closer um it, it shows that Maybe teams can get better. I mean, we'll see what happens tomorrow night in Fayetteville. Arkansas is not exactly playing well right now. You know, Uh, so maybe they're a better team than they were three weeks ago. Um, Maybe it was just a flash in the pan. But in basketball, sometimes you're going to run into nights where you shoot well or the other team doesn't and and things go your way. Uh, I I would still say if I had to bet they're going to do enough that he's back next year. Um, Now, a lot of people will view that as delaying the inevitable because it's mostly the same roster back next season. I don't think they have anybody coming in that's going to make a huge difference right away unless they hit the transfer portal. But, you know, also, I don't think if he gets to 13-14 wins, you can go... Well, look, you had a down year after rebuilding the entire roster and making the NCAA tournament. We're going to fire him. I, I don't necessarily think that's the right move, especially when it would cost about $9 million to do it, and then you would have to pay a new coach.
0: It would be lovely if somehow Conzo Martin's time in Columbia is viewed now as Gary Pinkle's time in Columbia is. <laughs> um, and keep in mind, Gary Pinkle nearly lost his job, I think, a couple of different times um, before – Uh, leaving following the 2015 season. You wrote something upon uh, word that he is going into the College Football Hall of Fame that I thought really helped convey what his time in Columbia meant to Missouri football. Uh, Not only because we're being the same age, same class at Missouri, how it went from being just completely irrelevant as something we would watch on Saturdays with essentially no hope in the 1980s and most of the 1990s, to not only relevant, but then also an opportunity to play for conference championships, which seemed like a fantasy back in the 1990s, and then also playing a role in the fact that Missouri wound up in the Southeastern Conference. I thought what you wrote was outstanding. Um, and if you could, uh, for those who haven't had a chance to read it, uh, convey your thoughts on Pinkle's era and why it's fitting that he's going into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, before, before we talk about Gary, you know, I, I do think Larry Smith's, role in this was underrated because he was the guy that took this off the trash heap um and when you and i our last two years in columbia they went to bowl games and i remember when i went to mizzou in in the fall of 1994 i said if i can just get a bowl game before i'm done being a student that'd be phenomenal right and they went to a couple Mm -hmm. and and that 98 team was was really really good um eight and four led every game at halftime losses only to top 10 teams but then Gary was, you know, it went south and Gary was the guy that was brought in to, to rebuild it. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it's, I think interesting in the way he did it when Pinkle retired, a lot of people said, well, you know, you have to follow his model here. It's the only way it's going to work. And, and I said, no, you don't like, there's not just one way, you know, you can do it any number of ways. Well, the last seven years have been a little bit instructive that you kind of do have to follow his way. and, and by that, I just mean you can't be skipping steps on the ladder. And, and Eli Drinkwitz has used this. Conzo Martin used it too. At Missouri, it's just not a place you're just going to sign up 19 four stars. I, I mean, it, it's it's never happened. It's not going to happen. So you're not going to go from three and eight to 11 and one. You know, in the space of a year, it is going to be a little bit of a process. And Gary took, you know, it wasn't until his third year that they got to a bowl game. And then there was the 2004, like, what happened here? Step back to five and six. And I think the the underrated game in Pinkle's tenure is the season finale at Ames in 2004. Missouri had lost, I think, five in a row. They were sitting four and six. They were playing for absolutely nothing in miserable weather. And Iowa State was playing for the Big 12 North title. And they went up there and, and beat Iowa State on an Adam Crossett field goal on the last play of the game and I've had people tell me that's the one that kind of showed me a lot of people had given up on Gary, but his team had. They went up there with nothing to play for and beat a team with everything to play for. And then, you know, 2005, they, they managed to get into the bowl game and, and the miraculous second half against uh, against South Carolina, thanks to, to Marcus King and, and Brad Smith mostly. They win that game and and Crosses hits another huge field goal in that one. And, and then it took off. Uh, 2006 with the Sun Bowl where it was eight and five and felt like it should have been better and yeah I think Gary's legacy is I went to Mizzou as a student because I wanted to see Norm Stewart's teams play basketball I I mean I went for the J school but reason number two on my list was I'm a Missouri basketball fan and I've grown up with Norm and I want to see these games I want to see Kansas come here and I want to see you know, Oklahoma come here and all that. And there they were a generation of kids who went to Missouri because they wanted to see Chase Daniel and Jeremy Macklin and Blaine Gabbert and Henry Josey and all these guys play. And Gary really became the face, I think, of the University of Missouri. And, look, he didn't just play a role in Missouri getting in the SEC. He's the reason. The SEC doesn't come ask 4-8 Missouri football to join the conference. I mean, as much as football means in this league, if they hadn't been what they'd been the previous six years, then there's no way they're getting that call. And I I think the ironic part is, if you really ask somebody in the SEC, and Bernie Mocken, who was the president of the University of Florida, and kind of the the head, you know, the lead president in the SEC at the time Missouri came in, told me five years afterwards, he, he said, Now, if we're being honest, nobody expected Gary to come in and do what he did in his first two years. I mean, they thought they were inviting a good football program in the Big 12 that was going to come in and be cannon fodder for some people in the SEC. And then Gary won it his first two years and, and really, I think, cemented his legacy. It wasn't just, hey, I can do this at Toledo. It wasn't just, hey, I did it again at Missouri. It was, I did this again in a third conference and, you know, second, the winningest coach at two schools. I don't know how many coaches can say that now. At the time Gary did it, I think it was the Cotton Bowl game that, that gave him the record at Missouri, um, and, and I remember the list that night. I think there were four guys on it I know uh, that had done it at two schools. I know Steve Spurrier was one of them at, at South Carolina and Florida, and I can't remember the other two guys. There may be either more or, or fewer on that list now, but it's not a big list.
0: Man, it's uh, what you wrote on PowerMizzou.com and then also on Twitter from the PowerMizzou account was uh, really poignant, and I recommend for those of you who haven't had a chance to read it to check it out. Gabe Yarman, PowerMizzou.com. Colonel, always wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it, guys. Uh, you know, don't lose my number now that, that, that you're uh, you're growing your empire in a new spot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you look forward to these appearances so much. Thanks, Gabe. I do. I do. See There's Gabe Diarman with us, powermazoo.com We have some news regarding Major League Baseball's labor situation. We will have that for you on the other side of the break. You are listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
0: Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Uh, BK Ferrario coming up here in a matter of minutes. Some uh, news this morning. We have movement. On the MLB labor situation, Jeff Passon of ESPN tweeting out in this hour, Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association plan to hold a bargaining session Thursday, sources tell ESPN. MLB is expected to make a core economics proposal at the session, which would be the first between the sides since the league locked out the players on December 2nd. So we've got something, Jackson. We've got something.
2: That's good news. Just something is, you know. Uh, I mean, how long they, how long are they going to go without just not talking? You gotta if they if they have an open dialogue continuously, at least you have hope, you
0: know. I like. Uh, I was reading Derek Gould's chat on STLtoday.com, dot com, and uh, and he was saying, I don't. I'm not as concerned about the public statements about whether or not there's progress, because oftentimes that's just done for optics. There's a lot that can be going on behind the scenes that is not. Updated, So he personally was not as concerned about the six weeks of silence that that others, including myself, were because he just doesn't think that that's necessarily an accurate representation of what is going on. But at the very least, Jeff Passan now reporting uh, here within the hour that they are indeed going to have a proposal exchange from MLB to the players, a core economics proposal. And that will be the first between the sides since the league locked out the players on December second. So I'm anxious to see how that plays out. Again, that is supposed to take place in two days on Thursday. Uh, all right, I, I haven't read some text, Jackson. You like to go into the uh, yeah, it's fun. To, it's you like fun. to go into the uh, air comfort service text like line engage, and see what's what's going the on. You like to engage. Now hold on a second here. Mm. We have compliments. No. I was kind of going to go down the <laughs> the dark alley that my therapist is working me through that is the, the text line. Uh, hey, guys, great show today. You actually backed off on the TMA stuff and are doing a sports talk show on Balloon Party. It's great to hear. Great to hear the Colonel today. I'm a fan. Keep on keeping on. That's the big man in Illinois, a.k.a. Mark Wisely. Wow, using the real name, too. Yeah. Thank you for having Gabe on. We do need more Mizzou talk, but my, oh, my, Kanzo needs help. It's from the six three six. Here we go. Now we're back into our comfort zone. Typical Missouri fans. You truly believe you would have been the number four seed in two thousand and seven? That's just funny. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's outlandish. I think they did finish ranked fourth in the country, if I'm not mistaken, fourth yeah. or fifth for certain.
2: I, they they were top five, no doubt.
0: Totally. Uh, just wanted to tell Jackson thanks for the easy money last night with that under. In the first quarter, I'll be eating Ruth Chris this week instead of ramen. Yep. That is from the 636. Happy to help. Uh, and then this show still has the feel of an AM station yawn. Well, it might for you. It doesn't for us. <laughs> I can tell you there's a yeah. substantial difference for us. Feeling is uh, not the same. So come on in. The water is warm. All right. We got to uh, shut it down. BK and Ferrari are coming up next at the top of the hour for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This is Bloom Party on 101 ESPN.